Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 24. Hard to believe we're just three weeks away from the NFL draft, set to begin Thursday, April 25th, Nashville, Tennessee. I am so excited. I can't wait. This will be my 20th year putting together mock drafts. It's crazy. It all started a long, long time ago out of school. Uh, you may have heard of it, USC. Um, I was a senior, and I was putting together a, a story for the TV station, Annenberg TV News. Shout out to the TV station there. As we have thunder rolling overhead, you're going to get to listen to uh, the sweet sounds of uh, some thunder and lightning. Um, but uh, back to the story. I wanted to project where USC's uh, draft-eligible prospects would go that year. So you're talking R.J. Soward, Travis Claridge, Windrell Hayes, Chad Morton, David Gibson. Got to project where they were going. Didn't do a bad job either, by the way. And I uh, had so much fun with it that I decided that I would go ahead and put together a mock draft, whole first round, had such a blast, and really the rest was history. Started putting together that mock draft, first three rounds, and I'd send it out to all the NFL franchises. Now, you think about this. This is before the day of social media, so I'm printing out all of these pages 99 draft picks, and I'm putting them into manila envelopes and mailing them out to all 32 franchises. After a couple of years, you know, that that price tag just got to be way too much for uh, a kid who's just out of college. So ultimately had to look at sending it out to some of the different media outlets, and ultimately it just became something that I would do for my friends and family. But it's my passion. I couldn't watch a college football game without taking notes I've got notepads upon notepads uh, of notes. I'm kind of old school. I put my pen to the paper, be able to write things down. I start, um, it it really helps me remember things. And really, by the time I get to the season, because I've watched over 250 games, I feel I can speak intelligently about just about any player in this draft. Um, So it's one of those things, 2014, my wife finally says, look, we need to let everybody into this world of yours, this madness that that is your passion, the NFL draft, your mock drafts, all the work that you put in. Let's share that with the, with everybody else. So readyforthedraft.com was born in 2014. This is the second year of the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm just excited to be able to bring all of this to you. And we left off episode 13 or 23, excuse me. Um, we broke down the first two rounds for the top 10 picks, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the, the teams in the top 10. Wanted to see what the first two rounds are, and I've actually put together you know, the f- first four rounds now. Um, so you actually get a little bit of an insider's look to uh, you know, the fourth round, um, which hasn't actually hit the website yet. I have gotten the first three rounds up on the website now, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. But uh, if we go ahead and dive into our first round here, really Arizona, Kyler Murray. Um, you know, I think, like I said, he's going to be the better fit there for Arizona than Josh Rosen, who I think is better uh, suited for West Coast style offense. Kyler Murray running the Cliff Kingsbury type of offense. Uh, Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury, disciples of uh, Mike Leach. No brainer there. So then you move on to round two. They're going to need a receiver. Um, at some point in the draft, especially losing John Brown, their vertical threat, they get Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown could be a potential first-round pick had it not been for that Liz Frank injury. Moves from the top 20 
down into the second round. I think because of that Liz Frank injury, that's one of those to where, um, you know, his game is all about speed. And if he's having issues with that foot, that's going to really hamper him and limit his effectiveness at the next level. They're going to need an offensive tackle. Um, so I've got him taking Titus Howard in round three, uh, the big tackle out of Alabama State, 6'5", 322 pounds. Arizona trader for Marcus Gilbert uh, from the Steelers, and and, uh, uh, and he's 31 years of age. And, and really, you know, here's something, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, all of their offensive tackles are free agents in 2020. So I think at some point they're getting a tackle. Titus Howard would be nice if he's there uh, in round Three and then round four, they get another pass rusher to team with uh, Terrell Suggs, who's nearing the end of his career, picked up from Baltimore um, in free agency, and and uh, you know Chandler Jones there on on the outside as well. They get Joe Jackson out of Miami, six four, two hundred seventy five pound pass rusher there out of Miami, the junior going to Arizona. Um, so number two was was San Francisco and Nick Bosa. Look, I'm sure the 49ers, they'd love to have Nick Bosa fall to them there at number two. They get the pass rusher to deal with or to team with D. Ford. You've got DeForest Buckner inside, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas. Didn't really work out uh, as a base end in a 4-3. He's more of a five technique. So if you're a team that's out there that's looking for a five technique, you might want to pick up the phone and give the, uh, the 49ers a call. See if you might be able to take Solomon Thomas off their hands. Um, so you move on to round two. They need a safety in the back end of that defense. Nasir Adderley out of Delaware is definitely going to be that guy, I, I believe. Definitely a ball hawk. Uh, 11 interceptions, 22 pass breakups in his career. Um, I could see him teaming with Jaquiski Tart back there. Also, you have uh, Jimmy Ward, although I think Jimmy's probably going to see most of his time in the slot. San Francisco needing an, another receiver. Team him up with, uh, with uh, you know, Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, and, and Jordan Matthews, and that's Riley Ridley out of Georgia, 6'1", 199-pound junior. Um, not the most explosive guy. Ran a 4.5840 at the combine, but definitely um, you know a technician, especially with his route running, excellent hands. And then you're going to need a guard at some point if you're the 49ers in this draft. I've got him taking Phil Haynes out of Wake Forest, a four-year starter there for the Demon Deacon, 6'4", two, uh, 322 pounds. Uh, Lake and Tomlinson on one side, Mike Person and, and Josh Garnett on the other side. Are they going to move on from Garnett? That's really a big question mark right now. I think Phil Haynes would at least provide some good depth at the beginning. So the Jets sitting there at number three. I've got Greg Williams running that defense. They've got their 4-3 scheme and obviously they're going to need to change the personnel up a little bit. Do they go pass rusher and Josh Allen like a lot of people have have them, you know projected? Or do they go defensive tackle and go Quinn and Williams. Look, Quinn and Williams, 19 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks in his first year. In episode 23, I kind of broke down, look, took a look at what Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald did because they were both Outland Trophy winners as well. And what they did as, you know, as juniors and then the, the step that they took from the junior to senior year, imagine what Quinn and Williams could have done next year. With another year under his belt, uh, it, it's just it's scary to me. Quinton Williams, 6'3", 303 pounds, ran a four eight three forty. Um, I think the sky's the limit for him. You team him up with Leonard Williams. You, know, you got Greg Williams, Leonard Williams, Quinton Williams. It's Williams, Williams, and Williams. A law firm there for uh, the Jets on defense. So the Jets ultimately don't have a second round pick. You move on to round three. Jets taking a tackle. Yadni could just. Um, out of West Virginia, people have him a little bit higher than than I do. Um, you know, I, I think he he needs to 
really work on some of his technique. I think he struggles there. Pad level gets a little high as well. Um, but I think he could end up being the right tackle of the future uh, battle. Brandon Shell there um, for the right tackle spot. And then they're going to need a corner at some point. David Long out of Michigan, 5'11", 196-pound junior. Um, and I think David Long is somebody who could be could be a day two pick um, when it's all said and done. But I look at him, I think he's a little handsy. I don't think he's the biggest guy. Um, looked really good at the combine. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's someone you look at at the corners. You've got Tremaine Johnson. You've got Brian Poole. And, uh, you know, there's some depth that's going to be needed behind the two of them. And uh, I think you could definitely get in there and, and take care of that for them. So moving along, the Oakland Raiders sitting there at number four. What will Mike Mayock and John Gruden do in their first draft together? Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they going to try to get Kyler Murray? Do they take Dwayne Haskins? Or all of this, was this just gamesmanship and a ruse to try to get someone to trade up? You know, I think Oakland, yes, they could go with a quarterback here, but I just don't see that happening. I mean, you bring in Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown wants to win now, and you're going to bring him in, you know, especially he's had issues with a Hall of Fame quarterback at Big Ben, and you've got him with Derek Carr. And I know Derek Carr, there are a lot of question marks as to whether or not Derek can get them uh, into the playoffs and beyond. But uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, especially when you have a pass rush that is so anemic. You only got 13 sacks. Average less than a whole sack per game. I mean, it, it's just, it's staggering um, what that, you know, the lack of a, of a pass rush did for them. And, uh, you know, the next closest team had 30 sacks. I mean, that's a big, big difference. 17 sack difference. I think you get Josh Allen, you get your pass rusher. You can take 24 and 27, package them together, trade back into the first round and, uh, you know, trade them up and, and potentially get Drew Locke. Um, but I have them taking a quarterback in round two. I think at number 24, you get your corner. Um, to team with with Gary Young Conley, get Byron uh, Murphy, running back position at 27, get uh, Josh Jacobs, the only running back that really should be a first round pick, in my opinion. Um, you know, Doug uh, Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch, both free agents. You know, you get your running back, and then you get your quarterback in round two. Will Greer, the gunslinger. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't as high on him as I am. Yes, he struggled at the combine. Yes, he struggled at the Senior Bowl, but. You know, if you want want to confirm, you know that that this guy's going to be a John Gruden guy. Just put on the tape of the, of the Texas game where he led them down down the field with a minute thirty four to play, uh, that game winning touchdown. Um, you know, they went for two and got it. Uh, really, a lot of fun to watch there. And then uh, we move on after that, and you look at the tight end position for Oakland. Um, ultimately, have them selecting. Um, Caleb Wilson out of UCLA, 6'4", 240-pound junior, ran a 4'5", 640 at the Combine. Not much of a blocker, but he's not really going to be asked to do so. Oakland needs a tight end now that Jared Cook has moved on to the Saints. Um, so I think that makes a lot of lot of sense there. I think that'd be nice value for them. Now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of people have them taking Devin White here to be the quarterback of that defense uh, in the middle. And look, they did a lot. You know, in terms of trying to upgrade that linebacking core, they brought in Shaquille Barrett to be an outside linebacker, um, and, and they brought in uh, Dayon Buchanan, you know, to to be a, uh, an inside linebacker. Uh, they re-signed, um, you know, I believe it was Kevin Minter. They've got Kendall Beckwith as well, but 
when Todd Bowles moves to a 3-4 scheme, where's Levante David going to play? Is he going to be an inside backer or an outside backer? Where do you play Noah Spence? Is he going to be an outside backer? I think he'd be a lot better in space than as a defensive end. Where do you play JPP? Is he going to be a defensive end, a five technique? Or is he going to be an outside linebacker? I think there's too many variables there. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um, to go inside backer right here. Especially when you got a guy like Ed Oliver sitting there. You know, 6'2", 281 pounds. That's what he weighed in at his pro day after weighing in at 287 at the Combine. But uh, ran the 40 there at his pro day, ran a 4-7-3-40, 1-6-3 split. Talked about it in episode 23, how comparable that was to Aaron Donald. And I know you don't make that comparison you know, to you know, a defensive player of the year, but the, the, the numbers in and of themselves, you know, you, we also compare the three-cone drill and the short shuttle, very, very similar numbers. And for me, I look at Ed Oliver, and he is a top-five pick. He looks like a top-five pick. He looks the part, feels the part, and uh, you know, I think that'd be a nice pick for Tampa there at number five, um, teaming with uh, Gerald McCoy. I think that'd be really nice for them. And then you take a look at Tampa there in round two. They get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to play safety. They're going to need safety help um, You know, next to Justin Evans, and then... Uh, Emmanuel Hall, the wide receiver in the third round. Look, Emmanuel Hall, he's a vertical threat. 6'2", 201 pounds, ran a 4'3", 40, 43.5-inch vertical leap at the combine. Drew Locke, Drew Locke's success, he was airing the ball out to Emmanuel Hall. And really when the Tigers, when Mizzou started to drop, it was because Emmanuel Hall got hurt and, and Drew Locke was hat, was forced to, to try to, to bond and, and, and really find some chemistry with some of his other receivers. Emmanuel Hall, though, I mean, he can get vertical on anybody, eats up the cushion, and, and he's gone. Um, you know, and then in round four, all right, you want your outside li- or your inside linebacker, go ahead and get uh, Rasan Joseph, six foot, 233 pounds. I think he'll provide depth there on the inside. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but that really shores up that linebacking court and really gets a lot of depth. You're moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and uh, I think Rasan Joseph would be a uh, good value there in round four. Um, Giants, got them taking Dwayne Haskins, you know, number six overall. Um, are they finally going to take a quarterback? Um, you know, a lot of people say that this could be, uh, it could be Devin White, you know, taking the place of, of BJ Goodson. It could be a, a defensive end, Montez Sweat or Rashawn Gary, uh, because the Giants did give up, uh, you know, 30 sacks. Or, I mean, only registered 30 sacks. Um, could it be DK Metcalf? Now that they've they've traded away Odell Beckham Jr., I think at the end of the day, Gettleman, you know, Dave Gettleman, if you want to build for the future and also win now, this is a pick that you use to get your quarterback of the future. Seventeen, you get your pass rusher, Rashawn Gary falls to them there. He's a guy to me could be a top five talent, but you're talking about potential and you know production when production doesn't meet potential you don't take him in the top five or the top 10 i think he falls down in the draft it's good value there at number 17 look the giants gone are the days of michael strahan ocu Minora, justin tuck um jason pierre paul and they they need another pass rusher and i think they get that in rashawn gary there in round two or i'm sorry um, with their second pick in the first round at number 17 in round two they get Nikhil Harry. They get their big-bodied receiver. You already have Golden Tate, and uh, you know you brought him in to pair with with Sterling Shepard. But they feel too much like the same player. 
to get that big bodied receiver like Nikhil Harry back to back thousand yard seasons, first team all pack 12 for the Sun Devils. Uh, you know, a guy 38 and a half inch vertical relief, ran a 4 5 3 40, not bad for a guy his size, 27 reps in the bench press, very strong, um, you know, knows how to use his body to shield defenders away from the ball, excellent body control, had an Odell Beckham Jr. type catch against USC. Um, I think that'd be a nice pick for them there. You know, the Giants in round three. Ultimately, uh, they get a pick from New England there, number 96. I've got him taking the tackle now. Bobby Evans, 6'4", 312 pounds out of Oklahoma. The junior is going to basically compete with Chad Wheeler for that starting spot. And then in round four, uh, 109th pick overall. They get the inside linebacker, Jermaine Pratt. You know, he's a versatile guy. He's a safety linebacker hybrid could play inside or outside, 6'2", 240 pounds, could very well end up being a second or third round pick when it's all said and done, but I think it'd be good value there in round four. Moving right along to the Jags. The Jags, this could be where Jawan uh, Taylor goes. They get their uh, their right tackle. That's one of their bigger needs. Um, but I think you can get one later on in the draft. You'll see here in just a moment. Um, they also need a pass rusher to team with Yannick Ngakwe uh, and Calais Campbell. But I don't think they go just yet. They take TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. They need a tight end for Nick Nick Foles. And if there is going to be a tight end that was taken in the top 10, since you know the first one since Eric Ebron, TJ Hawkinson is going to be the guy, especially because of his physicality in the running game, which it would be you know, a welcome addition you know, um, for uh, Leonard Fournette. The defensive end, they get their defensive end in round two. Jalen Ferguson, I think, is going to fall just a little bit. Showed some stiffness um, you know, in his pro day. But 6'5", 255 pounds. The sack daddy, as he's known. Um, you know, 45 sacks. Broke Terrell Suggs', rec- uh, Terrell Suggs record. Uh, but he also lives in the backfield against the run as well. 67.5 total tackles for loss. I mean, that's just a staggering total. Um, he gets the tackle in round three. Caleb McGarry, 6'7", 317 pounds out of Washington. Have him going there in round three. Um, very physical guy ran a 505.40 still not the fastest guy there I mean quickest guy laterally um, but very aggressive you know strong at the point of attack reminds me a lot of Rob Havenstein he knew what his limitations were that guy's a right tackle all the way but he's developed into a very nice offensive tackle and and I think the Jags would hope that uh, McGarry would be able to do that for them as well Jaquan Johnson um, they're the safety out of Miami, 5'10", 191 pounds. Very intelligent player. Um, can take the place of Deshaun Gibson. Um, they're at the safety position for the Jacksonville Jaguars playing next to uh, Ronnie Harrison. Detroit at number eight. I've got him taking Montez Sweat uh, out of Mississippi State. Ran that 4-4-2-40 at the combine, which is a record for any edge rusher. I think you know you pair him with uh, Trey Flowers. I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Detroit after that uh, in round two, Rocky Asin. They need a corner opposite uh, Darius Slay. Rocky Asin in his one year transferring from Presbyterian to Temple um, and uh, two interceptions, 12 pass breakups uh, with the Owls. I think he could start right away. They need a guard. Round three, Drew Samia, 6'5", 305 pounds, could end up being that right guard um, there for, for the Lions. And then Ultimately, in round four, they get a tight end. They need a, a tight end. Right now, they've got Jesse James and Michael Roberts. You know, and uh, if you look at Detroit, I've got him, Kahali Waring, uh, out of San Diego State, uh, 6'5", 252-pound junior, only played a couple of years of high school ball, and then uh, moved on to the collegiate ranks. And uh, if you look at Waring, 
Uh, ran a 4.6740 at the combine. Looked like a very smooth, uh, fluid athlete. And uh, I think he's just going to continue to get better and better. The Bills. Josh Allen, what do you do there? Do you, is this where the, where a tight end comes off the board? Um, is this where DK Metcalf goes? Do you take a defensive tackle here? I ultimately think you get your offensive tackle. You take Jonah Williams, um, you know, and then that's the versatility. You can sit there and, and play Jonah Williams at either tackle position, wherever you want to place Deion Dawkins. Jonah Williams can play the other tackle position. Don't talk about those short arms. Remember, Joe Thomas had 32 and, and a half inch arms. And, and what Joe Thomas did, he played the angles, body control, and Jonah Williams is the exact same player. Look, Ty Neschke and, and uh, Adrian Waddle, those are guys that are going to provide depth, but those guys really shouldn't be what you're relying on uh, as starters um, there in that lineup. So the Bills in. In round two, I've got him taking a receiver, and that's Kelvin Harmon out of NC State, 6'2", 221-pound junior, um, you know, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, 81 catches, 1,186 yards, seven touchdowns, only ran a 4'6", so that's why he's fallen into round two, but I think he'd be a good uh, go-to target there for Josh Allen. Um, Bills take Kalen Saunders, the you know, out of West uh, Western Illinois, 6'3", 324 uh, pounds, Defensive tackle, um, you know, I think that addresses a need there with with Kyle uh, Williams uh, retiring. And then the Bills in round four, they get a tight end. Foster Moreau, 6'4", 253 pounds out of LSU. No more as a blocker there for the Tigers, but showed off some impressive hands in uh, in some of the workouts, especially at uh, at the Senior Bowl. Um, and then uh, Denver. Is this where Drew Locke goes? You know, I think John Elway wants to make sure that he gets it right at the quarterback position. I don't know that he necessarily needs to reach for a quarterback or anything here. Um, Devin White, if he falls here, um, Vic Fangio had an inside linebacker in Ro- um, you know, Roquan Smith. He gets Devin White here, uh, number 10 overall. Um, you know, he'll play with 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 Todd Davis and, and Josie Jewell there on the inside. Round two, they get their quarterback, Daniel Jones, the, the junior out of out of Duke, 6'5", 221 pounds, David Cutcliffe disciple. He's gonna need some time to develop and grow. You know, a lot of mistakes um there out on the field, but the talent is real. Um, let him play behind Joe Flacco before giving him, you know, the the, the keys. Um and then they get their tight end in round three, Jay Sternberger, Texas A&M, more yards than any other tight end, 6'4", 251 pounds, played one year for the Aggies there uh, before moving on to the NFL. And then uh, in round four, getting the pick from Houston, 126th pick overall, they get Lonnie Johnson, the corner out of Kentucky, 6'2", 213 pounds, um, a bigger cornerback. And uh, you know when you lose... You know, a couple of guys, you know, especially Bradley Roby, um, you know, you, you need to ultimately, you know, find a find a good replacement for him. And, uh, you know, I think that'd be a good fit. Um, you know, you have Kareem Jackson, who you brought in in free agency. You got Chris Harris, Isaac Yidem. It looks like a, another player. You get a, a one more corner um, in there. Bryce Callahan playing the nickel. I think that really shores up, um, you know, that, that secondary quite a bit for Denver. 
So now these are the picks that we haven't talked about. You know, I wanted to take a little bit of time and kind of recap where we were at. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and jump into the number 11 overall pick. Cincinnati, um, they've got Zach, Ta- uh, Zach Taylor coming in. He was a quarterback coach there for Sean McVay, former college quarterback there at, uh, at Nebraska. What does Cincinnati do? You know, really you look at Andy Dalton. Um, Andy Dalton, you know, he's been to five straight playoff games. And, uh, you know, he's posted an 0-5 record in the postseason. Uh, during the last three seasons, Dalton filled the post uh, a winning record, finished the last season on IR following a, a thumb injury that uh, required surgery. He's under contract through 2020, set to make $33.9 million during those two seasons. Now may be the time to move on from Dalton. I think if Drew Locke is on the board, I think Zach Taylor gets his quarterback. Even if he, he's not on the board, um, you know, I, I think they may have to trade up. But for Cincy, if, if Zach Taylor wants to find his quarterback, this is going to be the guy. Uh, you know, to me, Drew Locke, you know, I wanted to see him progress as a quarterback um, year after year, and ultimately, can he hit that 60% mark? He did that finally, um, you know, because if you can't complete 60% of your passes in, in college, what makes you think you can do it in the pros? He finally did it his senior year, put everything together. A lot of people talked about his numbers because he, he led the SEC in both yards and touchdown passes a season ago. But look, I, to me, he, he's somebody who really, you know, this was his best year. You know, he he had some, some receiver issues and, uh, you know, a lot of injuries, and I thought that he really shined. I saw the, you know, the increased accuracy, especially down the field. Um, you know, this is a guy who's very athletic. He was a basketball recruit and uh, makes plays on the outside. Um, you know, the arm strength is not only apparent with the velocity, you know, he can unload it down the field, um, you know, against Wyoming through a pass 64 yards on a play action without even setting his feet. Um, you know, drop the ball in over the outside shoulder. Excellent ball placement. Um, obviously, that's a recipe for success down the field. Um, you know, excellent touch and ball placement on the back shoulder throws, putting the ball away from the defender where only his receiver can make a play on the football. Does stare down receivers a bit. Needs to work on that footwork a little bit as well. Um, you know, but he, he's he's someone who, to me, I think has as much upside as anybody in the quarterback class. You know, and uh, if Dalton struggles, he could be a guy who would see the field early in 2019 for Cincinnati. Um, so if we move on to round two, they need an inside linebacker because, you know, look, Montez uh, or Vontez Burfecht is gone. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Montez, yes, he was playing, playing uh, weak side linebacker, but they've got Preston Brown in the middle. You know, and uh, he he's been re-signed. I think that Mac Wilson could really be that weak side linebacker as well. He could play inside, could potentially play outside. Has the ball skills, um, and, and that's one of the things I could see him starting opposite Nick Vigil um, at outside linebacker. Um, racked up six interceptions, seven pass breakups in his career. I think he's got some versatility uh, there for him. And round three, cornerback, another corner. Yeah, another corner. They, they did bring in Darquez Denard um, and B B W Webb. Um, there, you know the the nickel. Uh, Darquez getting re-signed, I think, for just a year. They've got Drake Kirkpatrick and and William jo- uh, William Jackson the third. But look, when you look at the cornerback position, that's something where they've they've, they've struggled 
um, really to to find a guy who's going to be consistent there for for them for quite some time. You know, they had uh, you know Terrence Newman there at, at one point. They've drafted quite a few corners in the first round. That's why I don't think they're going to go corner in the first round of this year's draft. But uh, Denard was just signed to a one year deal. Um, you know, William Jackson signed for another two. Drake or Patrick signed a uh, you know contract through 2022, uh, and, and same with B.W. Webb. But uh, I think they need one more corner there on the outside, especially with Darquez likely uh, leaving um, after season's end. So I, I think that you get another cornerback in there. Um, Julian Love, ball hawk there on the outside, um, over 20 pass breakups in his uh, in his junior year. Um, you know, somebody to, to just keep an eye on there um, for Cincinnati. And then in round four, uh, they need an offensive tackle. I think Ole Udo out of Elon, 6'5", 323 pounds, excellent length. I think this is a guy who's a little raw, um, but I think he could learn from Cordy Glenn and ultimately take over uh, for Cordy when he decides to hang it up. Um, you know, Cordy's not going anywhere just yet, um, but uh, you know, Cordy's only 29, but he's, he's under contract through 2021. Cordy can't seem to stay healthy either, so um, you know that's some someone who could potentially stick with with Cincinnati and potentially be a future starter. Green Bay at number twelve. You know I've seen mock drafts picking everything from a tight end to a wide receiver, DK Metcalf. Uh, I've seen it all across the board. Their biggest need to me is actually an inside linebacker. They need speed there at the inside linebacker position. Before, I was going to say they need a pass rusher. Um, and uh, they were able to shore that up a little bit, taking Preston Smith and uh, Zadarius Smith there in in, uh, in free agency. They also need an offensive line, uh, need the help at the offensive tackle position, depending on what happens with Brian Balaga and his health. But I, I think inside linebacker is going to be you know really what they need. Blake Martinez playing out of his mind, over 100 tackles uh, yet again, 144 a senior ago, he or a, a season ago, he was the only reliable linebacker in that, that struggling unit. Jake Ryan left in free agency, and uh, Antonio Morrison isn't back. Third round pick Oren Burks um, really failed to make an impact. Uh, and I look at uh, at Devin Bush. He's continuing to move up draft draft boards. Ran a 4.43 at the combine, 40 and a half inch vertical leap, uh, despite being 5'11", 234 pounds. This junior just plays all over the field. He's got the NFL bloodlines. Um, you know, his, his father Devin was the 26th overall pick of the Falcons. Uh, played eight seasons in the league. You know, and, and Bush, he just fills up the stat sheets. I mean, it, it's crazy. You look at it, and. Uh, you know, as a as a junior, over a hundred tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, an interception, um, and then this past season, eighty tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, six pack, pass breakups, named the big uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, co-defensive player of the year with uh, with, with, with um, Amani Hooker, and uh, you know, really just that speed, so active. Um, diagnosis plays so quickly, reads his keys, reacts so quickly. Um, his speed allows him to beat blocks uh, over the top laterally. And, and once he finds a hole, he hits it downhill and just really explodes to the ball carrier. Um, really a low center of gra- gravity. The balance required to keep his footing through contact as well. Um, you know, if, if you play too high um, to block Bush, 
Um, you're really in a world of trouble because he just delivered that powerful punch at the point of attack to get his blockers off balance. Um, you know, so he, he's really a lot of fun to watch. I think the, the Packers would love to be able to get him there at number 12 overall. Uh, Packers in round two. Taylor Rapp out of, out of Washington, the safety. They're going to need uh, another safety there. And uh, Taylor Rapp is a guy that can play all over the field. You know, He can play in the box as a linebacker. He can play... Um, play deep safety, although I don't see him a whole lot doing that. You know, he can play uh, the nickel just a little bit. Um, so he, he's a guy who can play all over the field. Uh, so play him next to Adrian Amos. I think you've got, you know, you can, he's a versatile guy, so you can run, you know, basically play him all over the field if you wanted to. Um, and then moving on, I'm sorry, I, I left out their, their second pick in round one. Can't let me forget that one. Number 30 overall for the Green Bay Packers. You know, this could potentially be where Noah Fant comes off the board, but uh, I think they're going to go tight end. And uh, Irv Smith Jr. is is a guy, um, to me, that is someone that needs to be needs to be talked about here. Um, he, he's the next Alabama tight end. Obviously, we had O.J. Howard come off the board before that. Ran a 4-6-3-40, which was good for third among tight ends. Proved he could be a downfield option for Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, and, and he's somebody that, you know, when you look at at the Packers, you know, needing a, a, a tight end. Jimmy Graham was signed to a three-year deal uh, worth thirty million dollars prior to the end of the season. It was just one year removed from a, a, a season where he had ten tackle or ten touchdowns in in twenty seventeen. Managed just a pair of touchdowns. Really didn't make the impact that they were expecting out of him. Um, so I think you bring in Irv Smith Jr., uh, allow him to you know, be that guy um, up the seam. You know, hauled in 44 passes over 710 yards, which made him the fourth leading receiver um, for Bama. And his 16.6 yards per catch average was only sec- was second to only Jay Sternberger among the top tight ends in this year's draft. Um, he's also a guy who can block, um, you know, and that's one of the things that you can say, you know, from an Alabama tight end is that they're going to be able to learn how to block a little bit. Um, so I think that'd be a nice pick for Green Bay at the end of round one. Talked about round two. So you look at round three, they're going to need an offensive tackle, like I said, you know, depending on what happens with Brian Balaga, uh, insurance policy. How about Chuma Adoga out of USC? Uh, long arms, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's 6'3", 308 pounds, but long arms, very athletic. Um, you know, a guy who has exceptional balance as well. Um, kind of an underrated prospect. Ascending, a guy who I thought really looked uh, looked good at the Senior Bowl. And that really helped his his draft stock. Green Bay, they took a lot of receivers in last year's draft. Not all of them panning out. I think, you know, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling was probably the best of the bunch. Equinemia St. Brown and Jamon Moore haven't really shown um, that they are able to produce just yet at the next level. Stanley Morgan Jr. Um, out of Nebraska, six foot, 202 pounds. You know, a bigger receiver, you know, can be physical, um, you know, a good route runner as well. You know, I think he'd be a guy that could fit in nicely there. Um, you know, they lost Randall Cobb. You're going to need um, a guy who can play out of the slot, and I think Stanley Morgan's going to be able to do that. Moving on to number 13 overall, and uh, that's the Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami, they could take a defensive end. You know, they effectively traded away um, or let go of uh, of everybody um, there up front just about. They they let Cameron Wake walk in free agency, um, and then they traded away Robert Quinn, leaving 
Charles Harris as their top uh, edge rusher, and he's struggled to this point. But, uh, you know, they also lost Jawan James, a right tackle. Um, and I think that ultimately, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to take Jawan Taylor out of Florida. They're going to get the right tackle, 6'5", 312 pounds, very physical guy at the point of attack, plays with a mean streak, always looking to finish guys, sustaining his blocks to the whistle. Um, you know, he started 23 of his final 24 games for the Gators. So, you know, he can be that stalwart there on the right uh, on the right side. Big, powerful at the point of attack, uh, accelerating into his man off the ball. Hand placement right under the pad level, delivers that powerful punch. You really saw that at the combine, just where he snapped into the blocker. Um, you know, prototypical old school right tackle. Um, you know, really looking to punish you. I think that'd be a nice fit for, for Miami there uh, in round one. You know, I noticed I didn't mention a quarterback. Um, you know, they've got, you know, um, they, they, they've they kind of addressed the quarterback just a little bit with Ryan, you know, Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic, whichever you want to call him. Um, and I, I think Miami could go quarterback here, but, you know, they're also potentially built, rebuilding, possibly going for that, that quarterback class in 2020. Uh, Fitzmagic can kind of be that stopgap for them for the time being. So you look at moving to round two, they need a defensive tackle as well. Um, you know, because essentially they've, they, they, they don't have a whole lot of depth there on the inside of that line and uh, they need a run stuff who can, can take up some space. I actually have Dexter Lawrence moving down in the draft. A lot of people still have him up in the top 15 to 20 picks. Uh, you know, 6'4", 342 pounds, a junior out of Clemson. Really hasn't lived up to that, that freshman season where he had 62 tackles, 8.5 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks, 2 block kicks. Just hasn't really seen that production there um, as a as a pass rusher. Very formidable, you know, as a as a run block or as a as a run stuffer, taking up a lot of space, um, showing some burst off the ball, you know, really converting some some speed to power to penetrate the line of scrimmage, get a good push into the backfield. Um, but when you're one dimensional, you look at a guy like Ashawn Robinson. Everyone was picking him to be a first round pick. Fell to the second round pick because he's mostly a, a one dimensional guy. I think that's what happens with uh, Dexter Lawrence here, and Miami would love to be able to pick him up in round two. So then Miami round three, they they do end up taking a quarterback. I got him taking Ryan Finley uh, out of NC State, six four, two hundred thirteen pounds. All Ryan Finley did, um, you know, was you know he was just a model of of efficiency there for NC State, a, a guy who. Um, isn't going to wow you with his arm strength, but just a guy who, you know, he can still make all the throws, um, you know, very cerebral quarterback, a guy who, who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, so I, I think you get a, you know, a good solid value there. And if you're not sold on him as, as your quarterback of the future, then you've got the next draft there in, uh, in 2020 when Tua uh, and Justin Herbert come along. So then Miami in, in round four, 117 overall. Anthony Nelson out of Iowa, the defensive end, 6'7", 271 pounds, excellent length. Not the best athlete in the world, but a guy, like I said, he's going to take advantage of that length. Um, you know, he's going to have, struggle sometimes with, with that pad level, but I think, you know, uh, he's someone that can also generate a lot of movement um, because of that length. He can extend those arms into uh, the blocker, create that separation, and be able to turn the corner uh, nine and a half sacks was among the, the sack leaders there um, in the big 
Big Ten, coming out after his junior season, 23 sacks in his career, um, seven pass breakups, four forced fumbles. So again, that length coming into play there, and uh, you know I think he'd be a nice addition there to the uh, to the Dolphins, um, especially in, in need of that pass rush. So you look at number 14, Atlanta, the Falcons. Um, they could take a tackle. Um, you know they they lost. Um, Ryan Schrader, who they 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 let go. Tyson Brylo was re-signed uh, on a two-year deal, and really Tyson Brylo is someone who might be able to to factor in here at at the position. Um, you know, if Jonah Williams falls, he might be the target. But uh, with him off the board, you look at the offensive line. You know, they brought in James Carpenter and and, and Jamon Brown to play the offensive guard position. Alex Mack holding down the center, and then obviously Jake Matthews is going to be the stalwart, the mainstay there at left tackle, um, which really allows them to go and focus on the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackle especially. Garrett, uh, Grady Jarrett, franchised uh, last year's fourth round pick. Uh, Deidre uh, Sonat seems to be a keeper, but there's little in terms of depth, especially with uh, uh, Terrell McLean as a free agent. Um, they need to get another interior lineman, and, and Christian Wilkins is about as versatile as he gets. He can play all over the line, quick penetrator versus a run, uses a good burst to collapse the pocket as well along the interior. Um, really a consistent performer over his four years. Also going to be a, a big locker room guy. Um, won the Campbell Trophy, which is the um, you know academic Heisman, if you will, and uh, just really an intelligent guy. He was the high school, or I'm sorry, a kindergarten teacher in, in the offseason as well. Not too many guys end up doing that. Um, but Wilkins is definitely um, a, a guy who I think would fit well there with Atlanta. And uh, you know, I think he could end up starting right away next to Grady Jarrett. So the Falcons in round two. You know, you lose Tevin Coleman. You're going to need to find yourself a running back at some point, right? Um, well, that is correct. That's actually the round three. Because what I actually have in round two, they need a pass rush, pass rusher as well. You know, they they finished the year tied for 22nd in the league with 37 sacks. Uh, little depth behind the starters, Vic Beasley and Takaris McKinley. Uh, Jukai Polite, you know, 6'3", 258 pounds. Draft stock really fell because he kind of, you know, poor showing at the combine, decided to sit out the remainder of the workout after running his 40, and, uh, you know, really had a breakout season, though, in 2018. 11 sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss. The production, his athleticism, you know, the explosiveness off the ball, his flexibility to quickly bend around the edge, um, you know, but the, the poor showing at the combine. Plus, you have to wonder why wasn't he a full time starter? You know, for the Gators, if he was as explosive as he was, you've got CC Jefferson and, and Jabari Zuniga, who was playing. They were both playing ahead of him. You have to ask that question. It's probably why his draft stock's going to fall into round two. And I think Atlanta. That's probably about the right um, right place to, to end up taking him. I mentioned the running back. You lose Tevin Coleman. You got Devontae Freeman. You need another running back. And how about the explosive Daryl Henderson uh, out of Memphis? Um, you know, 5'8", 208 pounds. The, the, the junior really had a, a tremendous season um, in, in 2018. And just a guy, all you needed was a, he needed was a crease. He's going to put his foot in the ground, get north and south. Was 10th in the Heisman um, and a Doak Walker finalist. Um, 1,909 yards on the ground, 22 touchdowns, also has 63 receptions in his career. I think he'd be a nice addition to that running game there in Atlanta, uh, getting him in round three 
And then we take a look at um, Atlanta in round four. They got a couple of picks. Um, that offensive tackle position that I mentioned, um, if some Brylo isn't going to be the guy, you got Missouri's Paul Adams, 6'6", 318 pounds, uh, to provide some depth there at the tackle position. And then uh, at the end of round, uh, round number four, 138 overall, they take Mike Jackson. This is one of their compensatory selections. Mike Jackson out of Miami, um, 6'1", 210 pounds. They're going to need a, a corner as well. Um, you know, Robert Alford was let go. Um, and, and yes, they do have uh, Isaiah Oliver, who's probably going to end up starting their opposite uh, Desmond Trufant, but there's not much in terms of depth there at the position. So I think Mike Jackson would be a nice addition, a veteran cornerback that they'd be bringing in there. Um, at number 15, you got Washington. They need a wide receiver. They definitely need a wide out. They also need a, uh, an edge rusher. I think this pick is going to come down to DK Metcalf and, uh, and Brian Burns. Ryan Kerrigan you know, led the skins with 13 sacks. You know, Kerrigan has just been awesome. You know, just that model of consistency. Uh, first round pick in 2011. Started all 126 games in his career. Uh, makes him the active leader among uh, outside linebackers in the league. Also just nine sacks shy of, of passing Dexter Manley for most sacks for, for the Redskins. Um, got some help there with, with Jonathan Allen with eight and a half sacks. Matt Ioannidis had, had seven and a half there at the defensive end. Nose tackle uh, Deron Payne with five. Um, but they need some other help. You know, Preston Smith is gone. So, you know, and you really can't rely on Ryan Anderson, who's more of a, a run stopper than anything else. So Brian Burns makes a ton of sense, but as does DK Metcalf. I mean, you look at the receiver position, Josh Doxson really hasn't made the impact that they were expecting just yet. Um, you know, last year's free agent acquisition, Paul Richardson, uh, he was supposed to be the vertical threat, but he, he was on IR after shoulder surgery. Trey Quinn is a solid option in the slot, but DK Metcalf, Calf. Look, yes, he's a physical freak. Ran a 4-3-3-40 at the combine. Put up 225 pounds 28 times in the bench press. Um, the arm length is ridiculous at 34 and, and 7 eighths inches. So, I mean, when you think about the, the strength, it's it's really ridiculous. 40 and a half inch vert- vertical leap. Um, you know, really a vertical threat. You know, does a great job against press coverage. Excellent hands um, to beat off the line. You know, the, the route running, he, he needs to work some work there, needs some refinement. And, you know, one of the things that you really have to worry about with him is, you know, you look at the uh, the short shuttle and the three-cone drill among the worst among the wideouts. And, uh, you know, is that necessarily indicative of what, you know, what, is that going to translate uh, to the next level? Not necessarily, but you do have to, you know, give a little bit of pause. Is this going to be a guy who's going to be able to get in and out of his breaks? Skins. Round two, they get their their edge rusher uh, at number forty six overall, Chase Winovich out of Michigan. Man, if you put on the film to look for Devin uh, Devin Bush or Rashawn Gary, all you saw was these these blonde locks, you know, flying out of the back of his helmet. I mean, just a uh, you know uh, the Energizer Bunny, that nonstop motor, playing like his hair was on fire. Just you know, he came to Michigan as a tight end and just really worked his way onto the field. Just so explosive, the burst coming off the edge. A lot of times you see him in that sprinter stance. Um, hip flexibility to dip underneath that offensive tackle pad level, rip through, quickly get to the edge before flatten out, flattening out to the quarterback. Also relentless and working to the um, you know it, with his counter moves. Um, so if you got him blocked on the outside, please don't relax on your rep. Otherwise, he's going to beat you back inside. Also plays the run very well. Um, ran a 4.59.40 at the combine, which placed him fourth among edge rushers. Posted the second best uh, short shuttle as well. And the quickest 
um, you know, at the position in, in the, I'm sorry, the, yeah, in, in the short shuttle. So when you talk about Chase Winovich, um, he's a better athlete, I think, than a lot of people were expecting him to be. And I think he can end up starting right away um, opposite Ryan Kerrigan. So Washington, after that, as the rain continues to come down here in Oklahoma, um, they need a safety as well. Will Harris out of Boston, uh, Boston College, 6'1", 207 pounds, um, a veteran there for uh, for the Eagles. And uh, you know, if you look at at Washington and what they have back in that on the back end of that defense. Uh, the safety position, Landon Collins was brought in, but at the free safety position, DeShazer Everett, I think they can get an upgrade there. I think that'd be a nice pick for them. In uh, in round three, getting Will Harris. And then finally, the number 97 overall, they get their guard, Nate Davis, out of Charlotte. Played tackle there, but he's going to be a guard at the next level. 6'3", 316 pounds, very physical guy. Um, you know, I think he's going to challenge Eric Flowers there at the left guard position. Um, and probably end up being their starter when it's all said and done. Um, so that's really what I have for Washington because they traded their um, their pick in, in round four. We talked to, I th- talked about Green Bay. Um, I talked about Stanley Morgan. Just realized that Washington traded that pick to Green Bay. 119 overall. They do still go after an outside linebacker. I got him taking Christian Miller out of Alabama. 6'3", 247 pounds. A lot of people have him going in round two or three. Um, I just didn't see enough. I think there's some some red flags in terms of durability concerns. And uh, so that's why I think he falls to the round four for Green Bay. Um, so let's get back on track. Number 16 overall, Carolina, the Panthers taking Cleveland Farrell. Uh, I'm sorry, Cleveland Furl. Defensive end out of, out of Clemson, 6'4", 264 pounds, the junior. Um, so why, how we get here? Um, you know, I thought this was supposed to be, you know, either a, a, a center, but, you know, with Ryan Khalil, you know, uh, having retired, but, you you know, they brought in Matt Paradis from, from the Broncos. Um, they did sign, re-sign Daryl uh, Williams to be the right tackle opposite Taylor Moten. Um you know, could this potentially be where Cody Ford or, or Jonah Williams could be? Um, you know, they could need a you know, could use another wide receiver with Devin Funches moving to the Colts, potentially DK Metcalf. Um, they also need um, need a corner, but I, I think when you look at the defensive end position, what makes a ton of sense? Julius Peppers, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, what's crazy is, is that was the last time they actually drafted a defensive end um, was when they drafted Peppers. Um, you know, so long ago. You know, the Carolina just sacked the quarterback 35 times, which was good for 27th in the league. And 40% of it was, uh, the pr- production was from Peppers with five, Mario Addison with nine. Um, you know, Peppers, 17-year career, ranked him third um, on the all-time sack list. And obviously there's a void opposite Addison. Um, so Bruce Irvin was brought in to kind of address the need, but he was only signed as a one-year deal um, so, you know, and Addison is also going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So you need to get another pass rush in there, get uh, Cleveland Furl. You know, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Like I said, um, you know, it, it's Furl is not the most explosive defensive end by any means. Um, but he's definitely someone who can set the edge. I think he's one of the more, um, 
more complete defensive ends. You know, 53 tackles, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, won the 10 Hedricks Award there in, in 2018. Ultimately got some revenge against Bama to win the title in 2018 as well. Um, uses his length. Um, you know, I thought he was very good technically when rushing the court, rushing the passer. Uh, sets a strong edge against the run, like I said. So I think he'd be a nice pick there for Carolina at number 16. Um, so Carolina moving along uh, in round two. Need a safety? There are plenty in this draft. And uh, Juan Thornhill is a, is a guy who's played both corner and safety. And uh, I, I'd see him playing opposite, or next to Eric Reed. Um, you know, now that Mike Adams is gone, um, you know, I, I think that's where he could fit in there at free safety for them. Could also fill in a little bit at, at cornerback, which could potentially be a need for uh, Carolina as well. Um, Carolina after that, they need a receiver. Um, I, I talked about the big body receiver that they need now that uh, they, they've they've had um, Devin Funches move on. Then you've got Miles Boykin. Now, Miles Boykin, you know, you watch him and you're like, okay, this is a, probably a third or fourth round pick. And, uh, you know, there really isn't a, you know, a whole lot of hype. He's a big receiver. Didn't think he ran that fast, you know, but still a guy who could get open down the field. A lot of late separation, a guy who could high point the football. Uh, you know, I thought he was very consistent, you know, catching the football as well. 59 catches, 872 yards, eight touchdowns. But uh, what he did at the combine really, you know, turned some heads. You know, at, at, you know, big-bodied receiver again, 6'4", 220, running a 4'4", 240, 43 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, those are just some staggering numbers. You know, and and you look at uh, four, 140 inch broad jump and uh, three cone drill. You know, I, I think he was he ran a, a, a six six point seven seven three cone drill, uh, which was fastest among the receivers. So, you know, a guy who can actually sink his hips and get in and out of breaks just a little bit. Um, I think he'd be nice value there in round three for Carolina. And then you look at Carolina going into round four. Here's their offensive tackle, a guy who I think is very technically sound. Um, I thought he did very well um, you know, against speed rushers. It was really when he got overpowered by more of the bull rush. So he needs to get some some more weight there in the lower body. But Max Sharping out of uh, uh, North Northern Illinois, uh, you know, 6'6", 327 pounds. I believe he only had like three pressures um, in the last couple of years and just gave up the one sack to A.J. Epinesa. Um, but a guy who I think is a model of consistency in, in Carolina, you could probably see Max Sharping, you know, um, if they bring him in, uh, lining up there pretty quickly. Minnesota, they're at number 18. They need their offensive tackle. Um, you know, obviously... When you look at them, you know, Brian O'Neill definitely shows promise at right tackle. Center, uh, you know, Pat Elfline holding down that position once again. Mike Remmer's experiment inside didn't really work. He's not expected back. Um, so now you look at uh, Riley Reef at, at left tackle. They're thinking about moving him inside to guard at this point. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense. And if, if they do move Riley Reef in, inside, then they need an offensive tackle. You get Andre Dillard, 6'5", 315 pounds out of Washington State, uh, the best pass protector in this in this draft class. Not the most physical guy, but excellent feet. You know, a natural way, uh, knee bender, a guy who can really slide and move, uh, makes it look effortless with his movements out there. I think that'd be a great pickup. Um, you know, for Minnesota there, and. Uh, when you look at round two, um, you know they've got Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter at, at defensive end. 
uh, ranked among the league's best with four, uh, Daniel Hunter did ranked among the league's best with 14 and a half sacks a season ago. Very little depth behind them. An ascending player is, is you know Charles Omena, who 6'5", 280 pounds out of Texas, uh, finished his senior season with 45 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. Um, you know he definitely looks apart. You know the, these arms, it's you know 36 inch arms, um, really use those. Uh, to his advantage, pretty quick burst off the ball and would extend his arms into the blocker um, to ultimately drive him back. Use that, you know, that speed to power um, and that length. Use that to to bend bend the edge a little bit as well. Um, so when you look at Omena, who plays with maximum effort, um, and you know, with Hunter, he he was a you know, a third round pick. He was a raw but physically gifted prospect, and in just four years, he's developed into a feared pass rusher, and they're hoping that Lightning strikes twice with Omenahu um, if they do take him there at number 50 overall. So then Minnesota moving on after that in round three. Uh, they need a safety. Uh, you know, Sendejo is gone. Um, they're going to need a safety there. And so I have, uh, next to Harrison Smith, I have them going with uh, Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. This once thought of as a first-round pick, but look, you know the the production really dropped after the first few few games. Once he was playing more of the teams in the SEC, that's really where we got to see. You know, he was he was struggling a little bit with some of his recognition, but definitely a playmaker. You know, um, over the top and someone who I think uh, in round three that's probably where it makes a whole lot of sense. And then. You know, they, they could use a, a weak side linebacker, you know, uh, competition there with Ben Gideon. Uh, Blake Cashman out of Minnesota, you know, 100-tackle uh, guy. They get an in-state uh, product, 6'1", 237 pounds. Um, you know, again, over 100 tackles, excellent production, better athlete than I think everyone thought. Ran a 4'5 at the combine, 37.5-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, I think that definitely helps him, you know, moved him up draft boards. He could be somebody who could be a sleeper for uh, day day two um, when it's all said and done. Now, Tennessee sitting at number 19, um, you know, they lost Josh Klein uh, at right guard. This is a place where Chris Lindstrom could potentially go, the, the offensive guard out of Boston College. Um, but uh, I think ultimately when you're looking at uh, Delaney Walker, you lose Delaney Walker. Uh, for the season last year, uh, this is a guy who is having to come back, uh, and you know it's really a concern, you know, for me when when you look at this, um, you know, he broke his ankle and sustained some ligament damage in the first game of the season. He's going to be 35 years of age when the season starts, so you have to expect him to lose a step uh, from that major injury. Uh, Jonah, uh, Jonu Smith, you know, Michael Pruitt, Anthony Ferkser, they all have their moments. None of them are going to be a number one option. You get Noah Fant in here, and uh, this is a guy who is so explosive. Um, you know, and what's crazy is, is when you look at since 2000, we've only seen multiple tight ends selected in the first round five times. And we've yet to see two tight ends taken in the first 19 picks. What's crazy is, is it could happen with two tight ends out of Iowa. Uh, but when you look into a fan, you know, the thing for me is he runs a four, five 40 vertical leap of 39 and a half inches, broad jump of 10 feet, seven inches tops among the tight end. Um, you know, and his six, eight, one, three cone would have been fourth fastest among receivers. I mean, just an incredible athlete a guy who's going to, you know, use that, that, 
that athleticism in the red zone, had 11 touchdown catches as a junior, which tied him for 11th nationally. Um, you know, he's a willing blocker, needs needs to work on that a little bit. His skill set is reminiscent of Evan Ingram, um, you know, who was taken number 23 overall by the Giants, and I think that this would be good value for Noah Fant um, going to Tennessee. In round two, that I think they can still get Chris Lindstrom at number 51 overall. Uh, Lindstrom could probably fill in and, and take over for, for Josh Klein right away. I think he's a plug-and-play type of player. Um, could potentially go in round one. Um, in round three, they need another cornerback. Uh, have him take in Amani Oruwarie, 6'2", 205 pounds out of Penn State. You know, he was a lot of fun to watch as a as a reserve, um, you know, and as a as a junior before he even took over the the, the starting spot as a senior. Um, you know, a playmaker there. Uh, eight interceptions in his career, 20 total pass breakups. Definitely someone to to keep an eye on. Um, when things are, are all said and done there for, um, for Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to pull up their depth chart to really take a look at, at what Tennessee has there at the cornerback position. They got Logan Ryan. They've got Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, you know, uh, as well. Uh, but this is going to give them some depth and really long-term, um, you know, really be able to hold down that, uh, that position there. And then Tennessee going into, into round number four, defensive tackle position. You know, I, I think that that's where they need, that there is a need there. You've got Jarrell Casey, you've got Daquan Jones, and then, you know, a lot of question marks. You know, Austin Johnson, Matt Dickerson, you know, it's really a lot of question, you know, question marks right now. Jarrell Casey really belongs you know, really at the defensive tackle, not at the nose. Um, you can bring in Greg Gaines, you know, the Taz, Tasmanian devil, if you will, from Washington, 6'1", 316 pounds, just really a ball of muscle and a ball of energy on the inside. I think that'd be a nice pickup there for Tennessee in round four. Um, you know, we take a look at, at Pittsburgh. We'll go ahead and get through the, 20, uh, the 20th pick here and uh, we'll go ahead and call it a podcast and go ahead and finish out the rest of um rest of the picks in, in my mock draft here in the next uh next couple of days um but uh you know number 20 overall is pittsburgh the steelers uh what are they going to do here um you know they they need an inside linebacker but i don't see devin devin bush falling this far um, you know, they, they also brought in Mark Barron, so that tempers that need just a little bit. Um, they added uh, Steven Nelson in the offseason. That's a great start. Um, you know, you have Joe Hayden as well uh, there at the position. Artie Burns, kind of a, kind of a disaster, and I, I don't really expect him back. Um, you know, Burns failed to pick off a pass, finished the year with just one pass breakup. That lack, lack of production just isn't going to get it done. Um, I, I think that's really where they have to look. Um, obviously, you know, the, the turnovers were costly on the offensive side of the ball. Um, gave the ball away 26 times, but, uh, you know, that was seventh highest in the league. But then the defense also ended, you know, ranked in the top 10 in total yards per game, rush defense, pass defense, and sacks, but they lacked playmakers, generating just 15 total turnovers, eight interceptions, and seven fumbles. That's a minus 11 turnover ratio, and that's a big reason for their downfall in 2018. Get the best corner out there. Um, you know, I think really it's Bry- uh, Byron Murphy, but you get 
You get a guy with some length. You get Greedy Williams in there, 6'2", 185 pounds, the uh, LSU corner. Um, ran a, a 4.39 40 at the combine, so we know that he's he's plenty fast, uh, very you know tight in his uh, in his back pedal, very patient in press coverage. Waits for the wide receiver to commit before turning and running with the receiver. Uh, very quick feet, like I said, in, in the back back uh, in his back pedal, fluid hips, turn and run with the receiver. Good job mirroring him through the route. Um, usually in phase, running stride for stride. Uh, putting himself in perfect position to make a play on the football. Um, also does a really good job squeezing the receiver to the sideline, really forcing that perfect pass to the outside. And uh, I think he also understands when there's safety help over the top and he'll get more aggressive reading the quarterback eyes, which allows him to undercut routes and make plays on the football. If you saw the game against Georgia, you also saw some of the recovery speed. Riley Ridley had a beat on a 21-yard post to the end zone, but he didn't panic, didn't grab the receiver, uh, was able to get inside Ridley and, and elevate to tip the pass away. You know, really the ball was thrown out in front of the receiver. Uh, was able to to make that up really, uh, really quickly. You know, he's 184 pounds, um, so he, he is very lean. He's going to have to work on, uh, on on getting bigger. But uh, I think he could potentially be a playmaker that the Steelers are sorely lacking there in the secondary. Um, second round, you, know, you lose AB and you get an, you need to get another slot receiver. Um, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, 5'11", 214 pounds. This guy uh, is someone who I think could see the field right away. You know, Yes, they have James Washington expected to take a big step forward. Dante Moncrief was brought in, but he, has, he didn't make an impact at all with the Jags. Um, Eli Rogers is coming off of an ACL tear. There's a lot of question marks here. You know, Rogers is going to battle Ryan Switzer for for uh, for spots in the slot, but I think uh, you get a guy like like Debo Samuel. I think he adds a different dimension to the passing game. Very versatile, quicker than fast, uh, but make plays lining up all over the field. Like I said, um, tremendous route runner, ability to sink his hips and drive quickly in and out of his breaks. Really made guys look silly at the Senior Bowl. Um, the biggest concern for me with 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 Debo is his durability. You know, battled hamstring, ankle, foot injuries. Um, also tore his knee in 2017 against Kentucky. But here's the deal: he scored six touchdowns in 11 quarters, including two kickoff returns for touchdown. 2018 was his first healthy season. If he can stay healthy in 2019, he could be a playmaker for the Steelers and could potentially be a steal in the second round. So the Steelers, after that, you move on to round three. And, uh, you know, I, I think they are going to need some depth at the outside linebacker position. Uh, and I, I think this is ultimately where they where Ben Banigou is going to come off the board. Uh, ben Banigou out of uh, out of TCU really had had a, a banner year in his first year there with the Horned Frogs. Um, you know, I, I think he can compete. You know, there's Bud Dupree and, and T.J. Watt at outside linebacker. They still like Anthony Ciccolo. He was reassigned, but there's really no depth after that. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense uh, to get somebody at some point. And I think Banigou in the third round, I think that's going to be good value for him. I think some people have him in round two, uh, but I thought the production wasn't always there. You know, Yes, he made a ton of plays in the backfield, um, 16 and a half sack, uh, 16 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks in 2017, 18 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks as a as a senior so you're saying well how in the world is that you know not productive i thought that he left a lot really out there on the table um because of his lack of size this is a guy who can get engulfed at the point of attack um you know banigou is uh just 6'3 250 pounds did struggle a lot of times to get off off blocks 
40-inch vertical leap, though, so we know that he's explosive. Ran a 4.6240. Um, so he's going to be an explosive edge rusher, and I think that he'd be somebody, again, good value there at the top of round three for the Steelers. And then in round four, you know, I, I said that they kind of tempered that need at the inside linebacker position, but I think they can get one here. Um, I said round four. I think it's actually at the end of round three. Um, looking at my notes. Yeah, so towards the end of round three, number 84 overall, um, Sione Takitaki out of BYU, a guy who converted from defensive end to linebacker, flies all over the field, 6'1", 238 pounds. I think he'd be a nice fit. You got Mark Barron, you got uh, John Bostic, and you got Vince Williams. I think bringing in uh, Takitaki could provide some depth. And, uh, you know, if there are any free agent casualties, this is a guy who could, I think, can, he's starting to really learn that linebacker position to step into a more prominent role in 2020. So now we'll move on to the fourth round. They get a running back. They have, you know, uh, now that Le'Veon Bell is gone, James Conner is the starting running back. They've got Jalen Samuels, who's kind of that do-everything type of guy, fullback running back, um, kind of does a little bit of everything. But uh, they need they need that that versatile threat, you know, a guy who's going to be a home run hitter, a guy who can take the take the top off a of defense. How about Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State, 5'10", 198 pound uh, junior, and, and really you know kind of made everyone take notice running that four four forty, which was fastest among the the running backs, a forty inch vertical leap. This is a guy who you know he was a model of consistency there at. Uh, at Oklahoma State, and if I were a team doing my homework on Justice Hill, I'd want to know why he suddenly was splitting time with with uh, with Chuba Hubbard there his his junior year because he's coming off of back to back thousand yard seasons in 2017, 1467 yards and 15 touchdowns with 31 receptions. You'd expect this guy to be one of the top running backs in the country, potentially competing for for the Doak Walker Award, but he ends up you know nearly a hundred less attempts running the football, uh, 930 yards, um, which he actually had a higher um, average you know, at 5.9 yards per carry as opposed to 5.5 in each of the first two seasons. It only caught 13 passes out of the backfield. Was it because he was injured? You know, was Chuba Hubbard really that good? What was going on there? You know, you're really going with the running back by committee when you had one of the nation's best running backs. Really kind of odd. But this is a guy who I think for me, when I watch him run, definitely very explosive, but it's that lateral quickness. The ability to put his foot in the ground and just make these lateral cuts without even slowing down. I think that's really what makes Justice Hill special. And I think he could be a playmaker there for for the Steelers and just another weapon for Big Ben in the passing game as well. Um, So those are my picks coming through number 20 overall. Stay tuned. Just a couple of days, I'm going to go ahead and release the rest of, of my mock draft here on Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm going to give the fourth round out onto my website as well. So I'll have you know uh, the first through fourth rounds on the website. And then from there, I'm really going to try to go fast and furious with the position by position. Uh, you know, Quarterback, running back, all the way through to the safety position. Uh, want to make sure that we talk about who the top prospects are, obviously, but then who are going to be the mid-round picks, the guys that you know you might be able to to steal late. Um, who are the underrated guys, guys flying under the radar, who might be a little overrated. Want to really do that for each position as we ramp up towards the draft. So expect to see 
Fast and Furious podcasts one after another as we we inch closer and closer to the NFL draft. Like I said, number 20 for me in terms of putting my mock drafts together. I can't wait for, for this to get started. I mean, I, I wish it could be tomorrow, uh, but then you know I'd have a lot of podcasts to put together. And, and really what I want to do is break a lot of this stuff down. I enjoy talking about this. I could continue to talk and talk and talk for another four or five hours. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to go ahead and, and give you guys a break a little bit here for, for another couple of days, and then we'll go ahead and get back at it again. So for readyforthedraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast, this is Greg Shoots. I hope everyone has a good rest of the week um, as they get ready for the weekend, uh, and I will talk to you soon. Have a good week, everyone, and I am out of here. Take care.